this is what I'm. This is what I've titled this. Like I like to give these things a title, but this is like the greatest setup in the history. Like this is awesome. When you start to really dig into things, and you start to look at at things and how everything unfolded. I'm going to call this the greatest setup. Let me tell you why this is the greatest setup. All right, check this out. 740 years before the birth of Christ. This is an estimate. 740 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah writes this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the, governor, the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What's that tell us? That tells us that right off the bat, that Christ was going to be filled with power, filled with peace, and filled with the Spirit straight from birth. He saw that 740 years before Christ was born. He prophesied that. He talked about that. And then also, he spoke this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him, listen to this, will call him Emmanuel. Christ would be born a virgin, was prophesied. It was said 740 years before the birth of Christ that this is how it would take place. You want to talk about a great setup? Man, he is setting this up. I think about baseball, and and, and really, you think about God. This is what he's doing. He's getting ready for that closing pitch. He knows what he's going to do. He's setting up. He's throwing that setup pitch. He's going to get the batter just off enough that he's going to come in with the ball that's going to strike him out. That's exactly what God's getting ready for. He's setting him up. He's throwing that pitch. And all of a sudden, we see this in Mike. All right, Micah, 700 years before the birth of Christ. The Lord says, Bethlehem, you might not be an important town in the nation of Judah, but out of you will come a ruler over Israel for me. His family line goes back to the early years of the nation. It goes all the way back to the days of long ago. Listen to that. It is proven, it is shown in Scripture that Jesus' genealogy goes way back. And it shows that and it proves that time and time again, 700 years before his birth. And then I absolutely love this one. Undeniably, undeniably, you can sit here and you can say anything you want about the other three. Undeniably, listen to this. 722 years before the birth of Jesus, this is said. When Israel was a child, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. That was in the book of Hosea. Christ would be called to Egypt. Because this is what happens in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. An angel appears. An angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. And he says this, Joseph, get up. The angel said to him, take this child and his mother and escape to where? To Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And it goes way past that. It's not even there. You go to the book of Numbers in it, and it prophesies and tells about the star that they're going to see and how it's going to guide them. You see, over and over and over again in the Old Testament, God is setting it up. The greatest setup ever told, the greatest setup to ever exist. And here it all comes down to this one big thing, the birth of our Savior. The birth of our Savior in a manger, in, 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 this, in this place of a, a filth and all this other stuff that we wouldn't even want to have a baby in. And here he is, the savior of the world, the savior of the universe, my savior, my king, right there, born in a manger. And I love that. I love the whole concept of that because God's sitting here saying, look, I've got you no matter what it is that's going on, no matter what it is that's happening, I'm going to show you what this is all about. But what I love about that is that starts over. So there's the setup, right? The setup leads all the way up to that birth. 
And that's what we celebrate on Christmas is the birth of Jesus. But all of a sudden, here we go, and we start moving, and we start seeing how Jesus starts to work. And I love it because Jesus goes in, and he starts his ministry just as we start our ministry. And what's he do? He goes out, and he gets baptized, and John baptizes him. And then Jesus goes, and, and, and he could have passed this point, but he didn't because he wanted to show us that we could get through this. And so what's he do? He goes, and he gets tempted by Satan. He goes out into the wilderness, and, and, and he, he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's without food. He's without water. He's at his weakest point, and the devil comes after him three different times, and what's he do? He tells the devil to be gone. I don't want you. I don't want any of this instant stuff. Man, I am here for my father, and this is what it's all about, and he shows us that even in our weakest of points, even in our weakest points of life, that we are strong enough to get through them. We are strong enough to get through them. No matter what's thrown at us, we are strong enough with the Father to get through it. And that's what he did time and time again was to turn that way. Then I love this, that, that through Jesus' ministry and through his, his life, he, he, he began to teach us things, and he served, and he guided us. You see, he served in ways that, that, that you and I sometimes don't think of. You see, I, I'm sure that Jesus went out, and I'm sure he folded some tables up and moved some chairs every once in a while. I don't believe that Jesus was the one that kicked back and watched everybody else work. But here's the other thing that he does. He goes out and he, he performs these miracles and things take place. He heals this man that is lowered down from the ceiling to the floor that had the faith to, to, to be thrown up there and his buddies to take him up on the roof and drop him down. And Jesus heals him. Jesus served. Jesus served his father. He showed us things that he could do. He showed us that he has it. He taught us. He taught us many things. But the greatest thing was that he taught us how to live our lives. You see, it wasn't one of these things where he just taught us these random lessons in life, and he didn't just speak in parable just to teach us some random things, but he taught us how to live our life. People say, how do I live my life? Well, you read the scripture, and he paints a perfect picture for what it looks like. I like to call it a roadmap. It's, it's literally a roadmap to our salvation of what it looks like. And, and if you really think about it, I loved, I loved our, our series this past month of, of this light and, and how powerful that light is. And what's he teach us? He teaches us that he's the light, right? Right, Peyton? He's the light, but he's also given us that light. Because he even says in Scripture, he says this, as he's preparing for his sermon on the mount, right? He says, I gave you the light, but I didn't want you to take that light and throw it under a bucket so nobody could see it. I want to put you up high on a mountaintop, and that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to show that for you, and I want you to shine that light so bright for everybody else to see, and that was what it was all about. He taught us how to walk and how to talk and how things work. You know what else he showed us? He showed us how to love. He showed us how to care for each other. He showed us that, that sometimes it's not all about the judgment. It's not all about the harsh things that we, that we try to do in our lives and the, the way that we live our lives, but there's all about that love and that grace that he comes in, and he shatters all of that religious stuff. And I absolutely love that, all that law and everything. He says, look, I know you're going to mess up. I know you're going to mess up, but here's the deal, is that I show you grace. I'm going to show you love, and I'm going to walk step by step with you through all of this. And I am here for you, no matter what it may look like in your life. Because he proves that in Luke 9, whenever he goes out and he walks, and he tells his disciples, go out and make disciples. Go out and disciple all nations. And what's he do in Luke 9 is he sends his disciples out two by two in pairs to go out and to minister to everybody. And I love that because he calls them to do all sorts of things like perform miracles and healing, to cast out demons, to pray over people, to love on people. That's exactly what he's called us to do. 
You see, he's guided us. He showed us this way. He showed us this way of life. He showed us what it looks like. He showed us not to do life alone. He showed us to do things in community, to do things together, that that's what we're called to do. And then he lives that life and he shows us that. And then all of a sudden, what happens? We don't usually talk about this on Christmas, but I think that is so important. As Pastor Doug was pointing out earlier, you know, it was funny because we didn't even talk about what each other were going to talk about, and all of a sudden it, like, matched up. But it was the cross. This all led to the cross. That little baby, Jesus, laying there in a manger, laying there in, the, in this barn, his life was placed there for the certainty of death. But what I love about that is the fact of this is that as he hung on that cross, he hung on that cross for you and me. It wasn't for himself. It wasn't for anything else. It was for the fact that, that for, for this, for this, all of this, the greatest setup in history to be, to be told, for everything to come to an end, for everything to, to come to this point, it had to happen on that, on that cross. And as he hung on that cross, he hung on that cross for us, for our sins, for our shortcomings for the issues in life that we have, for the things that we, we tend to, to put in front of us, for the chains, for the mountains, for everything that just seems to break our, our guide and, and our views from what he looks like and, and how he is calling us. He died for all of that. But it didn't stop there because just that death alone was not what it was about. It was about what took place just a couple days later. And I love this. Listen to this. In November of 2001, Sports Illustrated came out with this article. And I think it's one of the coolest articles to ever be. Like, like, you're flipping through and you're looking at Sports Illustrated and you're like, man, like I know what it's all about because they did all this research, okay? Get this, they did all this research. They looked back in sporting events. They looked back on all this stuff for, for years, hundreds of years back. And you see all these different things listed out. Number three is Michael Jordan. Number two, I can't even tell you what that was. Like, I read it. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know what the significance of it was. I had no idea. But Michael Jordan was three, and it was that fadeaway jumper that he had, right? Everybody's seen that. Anytime you see Michael Jordan, it's that fadeaway jumper that he had. That's number three. But as as you continue to read, this is what it says. Listen. Sports Illustrated, the number one greatest comeback of all time. Jesus Christ, 33 A.D., listen, defies the critics and stuns the Romans with his resurrection. That is number one in Sports Illustrated, that that is the greatest comeback of all time. The greatest comeback of all time. Listen, it was the greatest setup of all time to the baby, and then all of a sudden it works to the greatest comeback of all time as Jesus resurrects from the dead to open a path for us to go to him, to see him, to be with him for an eternity, to have this place of grace, to know that that we can mess up, but he's always going to accept us back. He's always going to take us back. It doesn't matter what it is. He is there with you every step of the way. I continue to say that, but it is so true. We need to know that. We need to understand that. It's that song that we just got done singing. The same baby that Mary held. I love that verse, right? The same baby that Mary held is holding us now. Oh my gosh, think about that. How many times have you been in a place in your life where you just felt the warmth of God's love and you had no idea what it was even going on? You were just like, man, I just sense that he's here. I just sense his presence is so here. It's undeniable what it is that he is doing in my life, what it is and how it is that he is showing up. And God is so present and he's so willing to work. 
But I ask you this, are you willing to work? Are you willing to step up and do something big? Because here's the, here's the third part of this. You have the greatest setup, right? We have the greatest comeback, but then we have the greatest story. And you want to know what I believe? I believe that the greatest story is your story. I believe the greatest story is what God is working in your life. I believe the greatest story is your testimony. It's the way that God is working in your life. It's the way that God is, is using you to shine high on a mountaintop, to shine bright for everybody to see that that story is significant. Because if it wasn't for that story, others wouldn't come to know Jesus. Others wouldn't come to know him. But through that story, through your story, big things take place. Big things happen. And God uses us in monstrous ways. You might be sitting here right now. You might even be sitting online right now, and you're thinking, God doesn't have a story for me right now. I don't have a testimony. Well, here's what I truly believe. I don't, I don't believe that God's not done with you. I believe that he's working with you, and your greatest story is being written right now, and it is living out right now. And the testimony of life, if you sit here today and say, I don't have a testimony. I'm not sure what my life looks like with God. I'm not sure what's going on in my life. I'm telling you right now that that story is being written because you recognize that you don't have that. You recognize that things are not right, and God is writing that story right now into your life, and that is going to be the greatest story ever told and man am I excited to see how that story comes out and that's what it's all about that's what it's all about the greatest setup to ever take place to the greatest birth to ever happen to the greatest comeback in history to your greatest story father I thank you so much for how it is that you continue to work how it is that you continue to show up in the greatest of ways even in the darkest of times even in the hardest of moments even in the times that we just struggle to see things and we've continued we struggle to see things clearly father you are there. You show yourself. You comfort us. You put the right people in place to talk to us. You put the right words in our mind. You put the right words on our devotion page. You put the right lyrics in our song. You put the right lyrics in our cars as we get in our cars to drive, Father. You are there. You are present. And I ask you today to continue to write our story, to continue to work through us, to call us, to challenge us, to shape us, to mold us, Father, I believe that right now that there are chains that are being broken. I believe right now that people are seeing things that are tying them down, and those are being broken right now, Father, that no longer do we have to be tied down to those. No longer do we have to be stuck on addiction. No longer do we have to be stuck in the way of our old life, but we can be made new again in your life, and knowing that we are in your arms, in your kingdom forever and ever as a child of God. Father, I believe right now that you are working miracles. I believe right now that you are working big things in our life. I believe right now that you are comforting us. And so I ask you, Father, in this season, in this time, as we seek for purpose, as we seek for what's happening right now, show yourself. I pray that we open our hearts and our minds to receive from you, Father, what it is that you have in this season of life, what it is that you have in our season right now to challenge us to bigger things, to deeper things, to bigger purposes, to deeper purposes. Father, to use us as we surrender to you everything. Father, I pray right now that there's somebody watching this, other online or in this room right now, that they don't leave this spot until they have that relationship with you because there's never a greater time than right now to develop that relationship, to start that relationship, to grow in that relationship, to know you, Father, in ways that we have never known you before. 
And so we thank you so much for always being there, for always being willing, Father. We love you, and we praise you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.